if you will allow me, I'm going to break with what would normally happen. Normally we'd dismiss our kids, we'd dismiss our teens, and you'd get a sermon and all this would happen. But if you'll allow me, I just want to read our text, and I want to give you three quick high points of the message. I'm not going to try to preach a full-blown message. I mean, we're already well into about time we should be dismissing. And I think God's already done some great things. Y'all be okay with that? I mean, if you you want a full-blown sermon, go back and listen to last week's. Come next week, I'll give you both barrels, you know. But there's no, you know, I learned a long time ago. I've been doing this a long time. And I learned a long time ago that there are times when the Spirit of the Lord has touched and He's worked, and you don't need to try to add to that. You just need to celebrate what God has already done. But I do want you to see the word of the Lord, because I think that's an important part of us coming together. Isaiah chapter 53, we'll begin at verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, thank you, Lord, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your word. The prophet is... The prophet is talking about the Messiah. It was a word that was, he was able to look through the telescope of time and see into the future what was going to happen when Messiah would come. It was not a message anybody wanted to hear. They were looking for a Messiah who would be a king, who would be a ruler. And yet, there was a suffering connected with that. Before there could ever be a crown, there must first be a cross. And so the cross is what the prophet portrays for us today out of his words. And there are three things I want you to see about this cross because the cross speaks a message to us. It's speaking a message even today. It spoke in that day and it speaks to us today. First of all, the cross speaks to us an invitation. When the prophet says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him 
or appearance that we should be attracted to him. See, he didn't come the way everybody thought he should come. He wasn't received because there was no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. And because he didn't arrive on the scene quite like they thought he should, they didn't really know who he was. And still today, I want to tell you, even though it's on television about 24 hours a day, even though it's available in every form of media, even though it's accessible through even the most basic of internet searches, we are still ignorant of him. We don't really know who Jesus is. And consequently, because we don't know who he is, we miss the invitation that is wrapped up in the cross. See, God did not send his son into the world to die on a whim or a passing fancy. He didn't send him to die just as a footnote in the history books. But God had you in mind when the cross became a reality because he knew you from the very foundation of the world. And the cross is his invitation to you to enjoy freedom and deliverance from the guilt and the condemnation and the bondage that has invaded your life because of sin. It's his invitation for you to experience abundant life on this earth and receive his gift of eternal life in his presence. I want to tell you, because of the cross, there's a way opened up for you to be forever cleansed and forgiven of your sin. Because of the cross, you can have hope instead of despair. Because of the cross, you can have life instead of death. Because of the cross, you can have heaven instead of hell. The cross is almighty God issuing an invitation to come and fall upon his mercy and receive the free gift of salvation that comes by his grace. When you believe in Jesus as his only begotten son, you trust him as your only hope of salvation and you surrender the control of your life to him. And the thing that makes heaven rejoice is not so much all of the praises that we offer when we come together. It isn't so much the joy we express. It isn't so much the blessings we receive, but the thing that makes all of heaven rejoice is when one soul comes to the Father and accepts the invitation to be born again. And that's when the angels rejoice. That's why we're rejoicing in the waters of baptism today. Because there's people who have said, I've come alive in Jesus. There's a second word. Not only does the cross speak about an invitation, it also speaks about identification. The message of the cross tells of God identifying with us. And then in turn, us identifying with him. See, the whole point of the Son of God leaving the splendor of heaven, being born, living among us as a man, dying on a cross, being buried in a borrowed tomb, rising from the grave, the whole point of that is so he could experience all we experience and he could be tempted at all points like we are tempted, yet without sin. And it isn't so much that we are seeking him as, he is, as it is he is seeking us. It isn't so much that we want him as it is he wants us. It isn't so much we're looking for him as it is he's looking for us. He came to this earth to identify with us. Let me tell you what that means. He can identify with us, first of all, because he understands. See, Jesus understands what it's like to be ignored because of your outward appearance. Isaiah says he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Isaiah says that he was despised. That means Jesus understands what it's like to be ridiculed. He understands what it's like to be lonely. Isaiah says he was forsaken of men. He understands what it's like to experience loss and grief. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
He understands what it's like to be put down and shunned by your peers. He was like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Whatever it is you're struggling with today, whatever it is that's hurting you, Jesus understands. Anytime you cry out to him, he never looks down over the portals of glory and scratches his head and says, I just don't know what you mean. He never says, I can't imagine what that's like. But he identifies with us in our human weakness and our human woundedness because he's been here and he understands not only that but he identifies with us because he undertakes in verse 4 the prophet says surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken smitten of God and afflicted what makes the difference is not only that he understands but he uh, undertakes he lets us know that he's at work in our lives There isn't anything in our lives that he doesn't take and weave into a pattern that brings glory and honor to him. I didn't do that very well, so I'm going to say it one more time so that you get a chance to catch up. There is not anything in our lives that he doesn't take and weave into a pattern that brings glory and honor to him. Oh, but pastor, you don't know how rotten that is. I don't care how bad it is. He can take that nasty looking thread by itself and weave it into the pattern of your life and it'll rise to the praise of his glory. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we can't imagine how he could take the ugliness that is happening to us right now and make something beautiful and something positive out of it. But I'm telling you, that's the power of the cross. When you come to Christ in his cross, you will find there all of your grief he is bearing, all of your sorrow he is carrying. The cross means you are not in this world by yourself. The cross means you do not have to face this in your own strength and your own ability. But Jesus is right there with you. Jesus is beside you. Jesus is helping you. Jesus is undertaking for you. He understands. He undertakes. He can identify with you because he undergirds. The prophet says in verses 7 and seven through 9, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned to be with wicked men, yet with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Now, all that suffering was endured by the Savior so he could undergird us. And that, I want you to know, is not just a one-time event in history, but right this very minute, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for the saints. That means he knows everything we need, everything we suffer, everything we go through. That means he gathers all those cares and all those concerns and all those burdens, and he brings them to the Father. Oh, I wish you could get this picture right now. He's taking everything that's troubling you, and he's bundling it all up and he brings it to the Father and he does it through the power of the Spirit and the Spirit searches our heart because he knows our minds and he knows the mind of the Father and then he makes intercession with groans that words cannot express and when he makes that intercession and you pray a prayer then the Lord takes that prayer and he offers it to the Father and then he sends you the power and when he sends you the power you stand up and you're counted when you stand up and are counted then the devil is defeated and you walk as an overcomer that's the power of the cross 
It's the power of an overcoming life regardless of what comes your way. Well, I said I wasn't going to preach, but here I'm right in the middle of it. Oh, Jesus, help me. Y'all not praying hard enough. cross gives an invitation. When we accept the invitation, we begin to understand the comfort and the assurance of his, of his identification with us. Let me tell you one more, and then we'll get out of here. The cross begins to speak about identification. Or excuse me, about indemnification. Indemnification, that's a good word you need to know today. To indemnify means to stand good or to be responsible. It means to insure against loss or damage. What that says to us is that when we come to Jesus, we know that he becomes our insurance package. Through the power of the cross, he comes to all those broken and wounded places of our lives, and he stands good against loss and damage. In verse 5, the prophet says he was pierced for our transgressions. The truth is each and every one of us has, been trans, have, has transgressed. We have violated the law of God. We've gone our way instead of God's way. That's the meaning of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the meaning of Romans 3 and 10, there is none righteous, not even one. And the punishment for our transgression should be eternal death. But at the cross, Jesus was pierced. He was wounded in our place. He stands good for the debt of sin. He stands good for the transgression. You know, I could get you all the psychological and psychiatric care that is available. I could take you to the best medical physicians in the country. I could give you all the modern techniques of care this world has to offer. But there is not a one of them that can handle your transgressions. Robert Lowry had it right when he wrote the hymn we love to sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you today, you don't need to bear the burden of your sin any longer. The cross is relevant. The cross is powerful. The cross is speaking to you today. He was pierced for your transgressions. Not only that, but he was crushed for our iniquities. You know, when we talk about iniquity, we're talking about a lifestyle or an attitude of lawlessness. It's an inherent meanness or badness. It's a contempt for all that is holy. Now, there's a popular notion going around that says uh, we are all inherently good. If you just give us enough time, you give us enough incentive, you give us enough education, you give us enough resources, eventually we'll all do the right thing and we'll be good. That's Philosophy is diametrically opposed not only to the teaching of the Bible, but also to human experience in history as well. Because we all have within us this inherent badness. We have iniquity within us. The penalty for iniquity is an eternity separated from God, an eternal punishment and torment. Understand, I, I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm not, tr I'm not making up horror stories to get your attention. I'm not trying to over-dramatize the situation, but I'm telling you the truth today. It's a truth you need to know and understand. Without this truth, all of life is empty and hollow. And the truth is, if you don't deal with the iniquity in your life, it will eternally separate you from God and from his divine blessings and from his eternal glory. 
But the good news is that in the cross, Jesus stands good for the debt of iniquity. He was crushed for our iniquities, so you don't have to bear the penalty of them. You know, the greatest moment in the world isn't when the conductor raises his baton for the opening chords of the mighty symphony. It isn't when the surgeon takes the scalpel and prepares to operate between the beats of the heart. It isn't when the lawyer stands before the jury to plead the case that will decide the guilt or innocence of his client. It isn't even that beautiful moment when you hear your firstborn cry out in the delivery room. But the greatest moment in all the world is when one person says, Lord, forgive me of my sin. And the reason this meeting we're in today is unlike any other meeting in all the world is because the presence of the living God is here in this place. And the reason his presence is here is because he crushed his own son on the cross so that he could touch our iniquities and he could forgive us and make us whole. Thanks be to God forever. There's a third area where Jesus is our indemnification. He was punished for our peace. So much of this life is filled with stress and tension and anxiety. Uncertainty and worry often rule the day. The biggest reason we don't have peace is because we haven't really made peace with God. Until you're in a right relationship with the Almighty, there is an internal struggle of the spirit that pulls and tears at the very fabric of life. Sin has created a separation. Sin has destroyed the harmony and the beauty God built into the system in the beginning. Sin has broken the relationship between us and God. Sin has created enmity on our part toward God. Sin hasn't made God our enemy, but sin has made us the enemy of God. And by all rights, we should be destroyed. But at the cross, Jesus took care of the debt of sin with his own life. He was punished for our peace. And through faith in Jesus and his cross, God and man are brought back together into holy communion and fellowship with one another. Through faith in Jesus and his cross, you can get rid of that uncomfortable feeling you get when you're in the presence of the Almighty. Through faith in Jesus and his cross, you can find peace with God. When you have peace with God, then and only then can you begin to experience the peace of God in the midst of life's changes. Finally, last thing, I want you to see he was scourged for our healing. When you stop and think about it, the enemy of our soul has really done a number on us. Sin has wounded and torn us in so many ways, in so many areas. You heard some of it in the testimonies today about people saying that this was going on in my life. What? What's going on? It's sin. Sin has created that. Instead of walking by and leaving us suffering and bleeding by the side of the road, Jesus took decisive action to make us whole. He was scourged for our healing. He paid the price for you to be healed in every place where you are broken, body, mind, soul, and spirit. See, the cry rang out from the cross. It is finished. And in that moment, it was forever settled and sealed in the heavens that you and I can come at any place where we are wounded and we can receive healing for our lives. Is your, it, it, is your physical health failing? There's wholeness in the cross. Are your emotions frayed? There is wholeness in the cross. Do you have a fractured relationship? There is wholeness in the cross. At whatever point you find brokenness, you can find wholeness through the cross. He was scourged for your healing. I tell you, the cross is speaking to us today. It's telling us it has the power to provide life and hope and peace and healing to all who come to the side of the Savior. The only question that remains is how. 
How do I appropriate this cross to my life? How do I set all this in motion so it applies to my area of need? I don't tell you it's not really that difficult. And because of its simplicity, we often miss it. You can't work extra hard to apply the work of the, Christ, of the cross to your life. You can't get good enough for it to have an effect. You can't trust anything you bring to the table to earn you a right to its benefits. You simply come in honesty and quiet humility to a place of prayer. And in that moment, you say with the hymn writer, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You accept the invitation. You understand the identification. You apply the indemnification. And when you do, the power of the cross begins to work in your life, bringing you to wholeness and completeness.